You're listening to Good Morning, the podcast talking all things grief with honesty and humour. Welcome back to the Good Morning podcast. Hello, we are your hosts, Sal and Im, and we are coming in very hot today with another dream guest of ours, which we are so bloody excited about. Um, But before we get into that, Sal, what's been happening in your world? Well, I mean, the fact that we interviewed Gabby is pretty big. It's definitely <laughs> That's basically what's been happening. It's basically the highlight of my life. No, um, yeah. so, so excited for today's conversation and just can't believe that we got to talk to Gabby. Like she's, she's just so incredible. And I think I bought you a couple of her books and her cards, haven't I, in the past year? I just, you got I just, me super uh, attractor which was a game changer. It was absolutely amazing and just completely changed our whole mindset on some very big things that we were kind of going through at the time. Um, So that was amazingly helpful. You bought her affirmation cards for me, I think back in the early days when we were just like in the early days of our friendship even. Oh, was that that Christmas when we got like a little bit merry at yours? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Was it? Yeah, yeah. And you got mushy peas for Ben and yeah, I love your presents. But yeah, so so, you know, you have gifted me a couple of Gabby, Gabby things. Other than that, I'm good. I have been trying to do some things lately that kind of push myself um, at my comfort zone. So one of those things, and you know about this, Im, is um, doing, but I did an ice bath. So yes. I, I went to like, there's a place on like a beach near me and they do breath work and um, ice baths every Sunday morning. So I went and I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was bloody cold and you have to sit in there for two minutes but afterwards I felt so good so proud of you for doing that Sal stepping out of your comfort zone thanks mate what about you what's been going on oh well actually I stepped out of my comfort zone too you did um yes big stepping out of my comfort zone period so recently we had another book event at Bocchino in Avalon which was amazing it was so intimate and beautiful and thank you to everyone who came along to our events it was so incredible to meet you all um but this one was a biggie for me and it was almost like so Avalon is where I grew up it's where my mum lived it's where she died in Sydney yep and I have not set foot anywhere near back there since she died Mm. it's become a place where it just felt too painful too many reminders it felt almost wrong to even think about going there if she wasn't there like how could I even be there like without being able to drive to a house and see her or go to the coffee shops or the shops that we used to go into together and um so it just became this really overwhelming fear of mine like going back there and so when the opportunity came up to do an event at Bocchino I wanted to run so hard and fast. And I was like, no, I remember saying to you, no, I can't do it, didn't I? And then we had a chat about it. And, um, you know, we thought, well, you know, what a way to go back and Mm honour my mum and just grab it by the balls and, like, just do it. And um, we did it. And I couldn't have done it without you. So thank you for being there with me and for me. And it was really interesting that anticipation, again, it's probably similar to Milestones, was the absolute worst. So the night before um, the night before the event, I had a full-blown panic attack. I wanted to, like, cancel. I was like, Ben, I feel, like, just full of fear and panic about what it's going to look like, how I'm going to feel when I'm there driving around the bends, you know, seeing all those familiar places. 
And yeah, I was in full panic, but I just let it all out. I let all the emotions out and really went there. And I feel like that helped. And then I did a massive run the morning of and I did it. And it wasn't actually that bad. You did it. And you were, you were so brilliant. I'm so proud of you um, because I know how hard it was. And even like Mm. over the years that I've known you, I don't live too, you know, I don't live miles away from Avalon and and every time you've been to mine you've always felt like oh it's so close close. I I can't go any further (laughs) you know so so I know how difficult it's been for you and yeah and it wasn't an easy decision and it wasn't something that was easy to face so I'm really proud of you because you did such a good job and you held yourself so beautifully and it was such a lovely way to honor your mum wasn't it and um Yeah, you did really well because for anybody that would have been really difficult to face. So bravo to you. And how did it feel like afterwards? Like, how do you feel now about- I honestly slept better. I slept better than I had slept in a long time. Like I think not only having the event, the anticipation of the event, but actually that was a huge thing for me that I'd been carrying for years, you know? Mm, do you feel like it was a weight that was lifted? Like Yes. I yeah. said that to Ben the next day. I was like, I actually feel like a weight's being lifted off me. I felt clearer in my head. I slept better. Um, I feel like I've yeah worked through a bit of that panic. So it was really interesting. So if anyone else is in a similar situation, the anticipation was much worse than actually going there. And yeah, I hope, I hope that in the future it does become a place that is filled with beautiful new memories. You know, my mum, I still felt her there too, which helped a lot and her friends came too. So yeah, it was, it was a biggie, big stepping out of the comfort zone for us. Um, But before we make this into an entire episode on its own, we do just want to mention before we jump into Gabby, guys, we've written a book and we're so excited about it. And we're holding a virtual book launch, aren't we? Oh, we are. We are. Stay tuned for more details on that. That's going to be the 13th of April, isn't it? 13th of April, 6.30pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, I've got that right. <laughs> yeah, so keep an eye out. We can link to join in the show notes as well, so you can reserve your free spot for our virtual book launch. We'd love to come and hang out with you guys on Zoom. Um, but I also just wanted to mention that I've seen a few comments around of people being almost afraid to buy a book about grief or delve into it, and I really wanted to reiterate to you guys that our book is it's uplifting. And it's accessible and you actually will be surprised that it is very much not a doom and gloom book about grief and it will actually make you laugh as well at times. So, yeah, that was really important for us to mention. I know we did an interview recently with Jordana, um, lovely lady, and she was explaining, so she's been through the grief of a miscarriage and she said before she opened the book, she was like, oh, I was worried that it was going to kind of take me back to this place and open my, you know, the wound of grief and everything. And she was like, I was so surprised how uplifting it was. Mm. She's like, it was amazing. So yeah, I just wanted to let anyone know who's potentially like a bit worried about how they're going to feel reading a book about grief. You'll be pleasantly surprised by our book, Good Morning, Honest Conversations About Grief and Loss. And we will link it in our show notes, guys, if you want to grab a copy, but we promise you, it is actually very lighthearted, isn't it, Sal? 
It is. And we also have a free um, sample that you can check out. So if you want to get a free sample, drop us a DM on Instagram um, and we can send it to you. So you can see what the book's about. You can see what we mean. It is a really different kind of grief book, isn't it, Ian? It's super, super digestible. Anyway, enough about us. Let's talk about today's guest. Gabby is a renowned spiritual teacher and some of you actually may have heard of her as she's very well known and has written several amazing New York Times bestselling books, including her latest, which is called Happy Days, which charts a path to heal trauma, unlearn fear and remember love. And we talk about some pretty big topics in this interview that I think are going to resonate with a lot of you, including how we can tap into the mind-body connection to help ourselves heal. It was just so yeah. enlightening, wasn't it, Em? And you actually got a, basically, you got a free mini session. Happy, didn't you? It was absolutely incredible. How good was that? Like, I was like, I could feel my walls going up. I'm like, don't go there, don't go there. Because she was asking me some pretty intense questions. I'm like, don't go there. But I'm like, this is the once in a lifetime opportunity with Gabby Bernstein. Fucking go there. So I just let it all out. So I got pretty vulnerable in this one, guys. Um, but yeah, it was incredible. And I just love the sorts of different therapies she talks about too. She talks about IFS therapy and yeah, trauma disassociation, what that means and how to unblock those old wounds that we're all carrying around. So guys, so much in this conversation. We hope you love it and enjoy. Gabby, it's so brilliant to have you on the pod today. We are massive fans of your work. We've read all of your books. We've done your courses. We've got your cards and we just love what you do. In particular, how you make spirituality just so accessible. Talking of all of your books, your latest, which is called Happy Days, is a little bit different to the rest of your books, which are about spirituality and manifesting in the universe, because it's a really personal story of recovering from trauma. What made you decide it was time to write such a deeply personal and really vulnerable book? I decided I wanted to write it years before I knew I was ready to write it. So I always, I wanted to, and I knew I needed to, but I wasn't going to write it until I was on the other side. Mm. until I could really sit in the seat of safety and trust and faith that being that vulnerable and that authentic, that I would would be supportive, but not triggering, right? Mm -hmm. And also uh, to trust that my experience was enough to share, uh, to be a guide for readers on their trauma healing path. And <clears throat> it was a perfect time to write it because now here I am, I know more and more and more about the therapies that I've used to support myself. And I almost needed to write it back then when I was more in the experience of it rather than in the teaching of it, right? So it could touch the reader in a way that they would see themselves in me and know they're not alone in their suffering. And uh, it's, a, it's my most important book that I've ever written so far. We absolutely love it. And it is so relatable. I remember just reading the intro story. I'm like, oh my God, I can like hear parts of myself in this story. I love how accessible and relatable it is. And it's something that you talk about is socially acceptable, destructive patterns, which I thought was really interesting in the book. What did they look like for you? And how can we break these patterns that are making us unhappy? Socially acceptable addictive patterns or behavioral patterns that we want to change can consist of workaholism. That was a big one for me. Mm -hmm. uh, people were praising me for how hard I worked, particularly here in America. It's really praised to 
succeed and thrive and 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 do a lot and overwork and uh so that was a real addiction that was physically and emotionally taking me down and people were were applauding me for it uh other socially acceptable addictions could be being in a relationship right so you know mm-hmm. someone who's constantly in relationships but still there's this idea like oh you need that partner to be complete and so it may not be ever identified as codependent behavior and then there's of course other forms of addiction that can really be more obvious and less socially acceptable like drug addiction or alcoholism or <clears throat> other forms of addiction that cause uh, an outward effect that may be a little bit more obvious than others so i think that that in many ways being an addict uh, a drug addict or alcoholic in some ways it's almost easier to get to recovery because it's so is it's like life threatening yeah. and you you aren't being praised for it and so you get to a place where you hit your knees a little faster and that's there's some value in that i'll be honest sal i feel like you can relate to the workaholic stuff right i can so relate the workaholism and the feeling that you need to be always doing more and kind of always being on this sense of like burning out that's how i really felt and it is but it is an addiction yeah. isn't it tell us a little bit more about your story because it's very much grounded in addiction and and coming through the other side, isn't it? Well, I got sober when I was 25 and my addiction was really, I can see now, a form of protecting myself from dissociated memories from my childhood. Mm-hmm. At the time, I didn't understand why I'd become a drug addict. I didn't understand why I was alcoholic. And, you know, I got sober and I was so happy to be clean and sober and so excited to dive headfirst into my spiritual growth and development, which of course was the catalyst for my career and my spiritual teachings and everything that I've developed in my life. But it wasn't until I was 36 and I had a dream where I remembered being sexually abused as a child. And in that dream, I woke up from the experience of the dream and I was just so terrified because it was very real. And days later, I really accepted and remembered that truth. And I realized in that moment, oh, this is why I was a drug addict. Okay. I was I was trying to put out a fire, <clears throat> a real big fire. And in my trauma recovery, I have had the experience of being able to look back at a lot of my addictive patterns and be able to be grateful for them. Because while they were really destructive and hard to handle, and maybe in some cases, difficult for people in my life to be around, they were really there to protect me from remembering something that I wasn't quite yet ready to remember. And the ability to see my past in that way has given me a lot of compassion for myself Mm -hmm. and grace. And so a new way of thinking and a new way of living now. Absolutely. And do you feel like you weren't kind of ready to have that memory? Do you think that all of the work that you did kind of got you to a place where you could face that that trauma? Yeah, I remember saying to my therapist, why did I remember this now? Mm-hmm. And she said to me, because you were safe enough to remember. Wow. And so by that point, I was 10 years sober. I had had a decade of therapy with the same therapist. I was safer in my marriage, just in terms of our connection and our bond. <clears throat> so yeah. it was a time in my life where I felt like, where I didn't know this consciously, but my system was safer to remember. Mm-hmm. I saw something on your Instagram the other day um, about how we push the memories aside, but our body, our body knows and our body keeps the score. 
And even if we try and forget for years and years and years, it still comes up in the body, right? Yeah, our body is constantly responding to our nervous system. So our physical experience is, is a is is a response to our nervous system. And so the more inflamed we are in our internal condition, the more inflamed our physical being will be. And we will have the psychosomatic effects of trauma consistently show up in our life over and over again physically until we actually address the core wound, which is the trauma. And that was the case for me. I just constantly dealt with gastrointestinal issues and anxiety and just just sleep disorders and all kinds of problems as a result of not knowing or knowing how to address the core wounds. And now as a result of being on the other side of that, I don't have those problems at all. <laughs> My body is very well and really at ease and, and uh, in a place of uh, balance, truly. It's incredible that you have come out the other side and are able to, you know, stand in your power and say that. I think that gives listeners so much hope. You know, Sal and I, we've experienced so much anxiety. I feel like I can relate to you. I was living like so dissociated from myself and my life for years and never being able to identify why or what's what's going on for me. So, yeah, it's amazing that that you're here today and sharing what it's like to be on the other side of that. And Gabby, what did that look like for you when you got to that moment, you had that dream and you realized what had happened and 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 what you needed to work through? Like what helped you? Like what did those first steps look like? Well, I think that the first steps were terrifying. Mm-hmm. It was for many months, probably a year, hard for me to get out of bed. Uh, mm-hmm. The worst time of my life, truly. Hitting bottom from addiction, drug and alcohol addiction was way easier than remembering trauma. Because what happened was I was I've been dissociated from it for so long. So it was so exiled and packed down. And then boom, it was in my face. And so it was almost like I was living in that exiled part of me, walking around pretty disembodied and in a lot of terror. So that yeah. sucked. <laughs> but I got right to work. I started doing somatic work and I started to do spiritual healing and I was doing extraordinary therapy. So three days a week of different types of therapies. So in um, EMDR, which is a really beautiful therapy for trauma healing, uh, I was practicing internal family systems therapy, IFS, which I still continue to practice and I'm trained in now and continuing to practice other modalities like emotional freedom technique and somatic experiencing. And these are all the practices that I share in the book, because what Mm -hmm. I do is through the book, take you through my journey of trauma recovery. And through my lens, I introduce you to these different styles of therapy that are by nature, very spiritual Mm -hmm. and uh, profound. And it's, um, it's really cool. I think there's such power, isn't there, Im, in the mind-body connection? Like we've both found such healing in somatic work for our trauma, breath work, kundalini, energy activation. It's um, it's really important, and we love your book because it does make it really accessible. And and something that you talk about um in your work and in this book is big T and little t, which really resonated with Im and I. Can you tell us a little bit more about big T and little t's? Well, I think for a long time, the word trauma alone could tank the energy in a room. Like if I was giving a live talk and I mentioned the word trauma, like people would just check out, goodbye. And it was such (laughs) such a 
sort of shameful word, really. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now we're in a culture where my friends like Dr. Gabor Mate and Richard Schwartz and these amazing teachers and 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 Bessel van der Kolk, that these these teachers are really creating a landscape for trauma that is much more acceptable and much more um m- more commonly used phrase and a greater awareness and understanding of what trauma is. Mm-hmm. And so when we experience trauma, we as children, we have different ways of responding to it, depending on how we were cared for. And like I said, there's big T trauma and little T trauma. So a big T trauma was like mine being abused as a child. Uh, Small T trauma could be maybe being told you were stupid by your teacher in sixth grade. And these moments, while they may be the small T moments, while they may be seemingly insignificant, actually do have a lot of effect on us. They affect our nervous system. They affect our, our neural pathways. Anytime we have to, maybe if you were told you were stupid in sixth grade and you then have to like get up and present in front of your team when you're 30, you're still triggered because you think you're stupid, right? So those unresolved wounds from our past often dictate the way that we live in the present. So when we have the bravery and the courage to go to the places that scare us. And that's when we can really come out the other side and start to undo these patterns. Of course, if you have small T trauma, it's a lot easier to get at. It's a lot easier to access. It's a lot easier to reprocess. Whereas the big T traumas are much harder to get to. And, uh, but there is hope. I'm on the other side. It wasn't until we were thrown into like doing work on ourselves to survive because we felt like we weren't going to survive is when we started to peel back all the layers and we're like, holy shit, there's so much trauma that we've been carrying around, like stored in our bodies that we didn't even recognize. So I love that you've given it a name and it allows mm-hmm. us to be able to recognize and say, yes, that that was a trauma. You know, we had really complicated mm-hmm. upbringings and chaotic childhoods and we just never recognize that as, as something that's, you know, a trauma. When I was on the book tour for this book, there were so many people that interviewed me and they're like, they'd start the interview being like, I don't have trauma. And then like five minutes into the interview, they'd be like, well, my dad was an alcoholic and my mom left him and I was left alone. And, you know, it was like, Mm. hello. And and the truth is is that trauma is rooted in shame. And so shame is such an impermissible feeling that we will do anything to shut it down. And one of the responses to shame is to deny. And that denial of a, of our trauma is a denial of the shame. So it's a common response mm-hmm. because a lot of times, particularly trauma is, is developed in childhood. And so as a child, what do we believe? We believe I'm at fault. I am wrong. I am inadequate. I'm not good enough. And so we can never really process that completely. And so of course, we're just going to go right into the shame response, which is, well, so-and-so or, or, or deny it's not me, you know, all of that. Yes. And and would you say that's if anyone's listening and they are wondering if they've got any unresolved trauma or, you know, big or small, what's a good way for them to maybe help identify that? Is it like looking at where they feel shameful or where they may be denying certain parts of themselves? Well, I think that if you are having chronic physical conditions, that's something to consider because typically that's a trauma response. If you live in a constant state of hypervigilance, that's a trauma response. Mm-hmm. If you are living with a severe anxiety disorder that you ha- don't necessarily have a biochemical condition, but you're living with an anxiety that is is overwhelming, maybe trauma. If you feel um, like you have 
imprinted memories that you don't understand, or you feel in some way that you, um, you know, sleep issues, jaw TMJ, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, addictive patterns. I mean, really, the human condition is um, a response to trauma these days. So I think that that the question really is, is how severe was the trauma? Mm. And was it tended to at the time? Mm. And typically, if it was not that severe and it was tended to at the time, or even if it was severe and it was tended to at the time with the right parenting and processing and maybe even therapy, then you may not live with the constant plague of the PTSD, but or or just even the nervous system response to it. But if you haven't, if you were not able to have that proper proper healing as a child and care and support, then it can really set up some conditions inside of you that are really scary. Just jumping back on anxiety as well, because I know there's a line in your book that gave me a huge amount of hope as a anxiety sufferer. And you said, today I woke up without, without anxiety. And I'm like, that is absolute goals. Um, I'd love to know, and I know it's something that's really common with our listeners as well, but like, what are the techniques that helped you the most with your anxiety? Why don't I give you a new one that yes, I'm working please. on for my new book? <laughs> okay, so I want you to just recognize in the moment when you have the anxiety, when it's present for you, that you have choice. Yeah. You can choose to keep going with the anxiety or you can choose to just turn inward. Mm. So if you first step, choose to turn inward and instead of focusing your attention on the anxiety and all that's happening around you, focus your attention inside. The second step would be to become curious about what's happening inside. So start asking yourself or even the anxiety, what do you feel like? Where are you in my body? What is it? Is there a shape? Is there a color? Is there a sensation? Is there an image or an age or a story that needs to come forward? Like what do, what, what, what do you want me to know? Mm -hmm. And then once you have a little bit of connection to that in internally, physical sensation of it, a, a better awareness of it. You can see the anxiety as a part of you that's that's coming through to reveal something to you. The next step would be to ask with compassion towards the anxiety, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And let me do it with you really quickly. Do you have anxiety at all right now? A little bit, yeah, a bit tingly in my hands and I find my chest gets really tight. Probably a bit nervous speaking to you, Gabby. <laughs> okay, so would you like to choose to turn inward? Would that be comfortable for you? Yes, absolutely, let's do it. So let's choose to turn inward and let's get curious. So what does it feel like? You, you started to describe it. It's mm -hmm. um, tight in your chest and your t fingers are tingly. What else? Yeah, just like a, it's just sometimes difficult to breathe, like a bit tight in my throat. Yeah, and just a really heavy chest. I feel like that's where I hold a lot of my tension. Hmm. What else do you know about it? Has it been around for a while? Yes, years. Hmm. How old is it? About 16. But I say it came when I was about 16. So yeah, over, oh, how old am I now? Over 10 years. Hmm. Do you remember what, what, what it was? Is there a story or an image or anything that wants to come forward about that? Yeah, just really complicated um, upbringing, family dynamics, actually, yeah. which I know is common. Yeah. 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 Anything else that that part of you wants to share or that you know about it? Maybe just feelings of like 
inadequacy as well, feeling like I'm not good enough to be, you know, doing the work that we're doing or, or I've, I've, I always have like a lot of judgment on myself, which mm. I need to work through. It's a, it is a, it is a process, but yeah, I think some of those sorts of feelings, if we're going to get super vulnerable here. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, connecting a little bit more deeply and just put your hand on your heart and your hand on your belly for a moment and just take a deep breath and just check in with that part of you that's inside and compassionately just ask that part of you, what do you need? And just see whatever comes up. Yeah, I think just like need to feel safe, like need feelings of safety. Yeah, I feel teary. I feel like I could cry. It's a bit of a therapy, <laughs> a bit of a therapy yeah. almost. But um, yeah. and I laugh when I get awkward. There we go. That's cool. Okay, that's another yeah. part of you that's protecting you. Well, yeah. why don't we just send a little bit of this heart hold, which is a hold for safety. Yeah. And just take a breath and just tell that part of you, if you feel comfortable referring to it that way, mm-hmm. that that you can you can provide it some safety throughout yeah. the day with just giving it a heart hold and just connecting to it. How does that part of you now feel? Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah, so that's something I can do when I'm feeling anxious or if yeah. any of our listeners are feeling anxious, yeah. that's a check-in. Yeah, it is a check-in. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Choose yeah. to check in. Yeah. Then choose to check in. Then, then check become out. curious. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. check out. <laughs> choose to check in and become curious. And then yeah. extend compassion with the question, what do you need? Thank you. I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um based on the work of my friend Dick Schwartz uh, with internal family systems therapy. It's just sort of my um, <clears throat> shorter version of, of teaching IFS. And, and it's not IFS because IFS is in a therapy session. You'd be going through this whole inquiry. But in this mm-hmm. space, we can start to look inward and notice that in that space between, as Victor Frankl would say, in the space between the stimulus and the response, mm-hmm. that's that's that space where the the healing can happen. And when we check in, we have when we make the choice to check in, we have a really beautiful opportunity to start to care for what's happening inside rather than override it. Mm-hmm. Love that. And and checking in, you're so right. Sometimes we just just we're busy. We just crack on with our day, don't we? We don't stop yeah. to really think about what's happening for us. Yeah, and you know, I want to thank you guys because this is really validating for me. Because I I wanted to. I've been workshopping how I teach IFS, and my new book is called Self Help. And in IFS, what that compassionate part that's like connecting to you is self. It's your adult resourced undamaged, compassionate, courageous, connected, curious, curious, creative self. Mm -hmm. And so this is about letting self help you. And what I was questioning was, was that first step to choose or was the first step to check in? And I like that it's choose to check in. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm workshopping it with you guys. It's almost like this is the check-in process. Right? I love it. Check-in process. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys can take some credit because originally I had step one, check in. But I like that it's the, you have the choice to check in yeah. because choice implies that 
you don't, you could go out and keep going, or you could choose in that moment with a lot of empowered energy mm. to check in. But that's well, another felt, choice you have. I felt like my body really wanted to check out. And I was like, oh, this is gonna, I, I don't know what that looks like if I go too deep or if, you know, I access what I'm right. feeling. But I was like, you know what? This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Go there. Right. So, yeah. But my readers are not gonna all be here being podcasted yeah. with Gabby and whatever. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, but 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 you actually did exactly what I would hope somebody would do on their own, which is just mm-hmm. get a little sensation inside and a little bit. And it's not like you're you could go and do the deeper work in therapy, right? That's the goal is to have this experience inside and to experience some connection and to extend some compassion to that part of you. That's a habit and a pattern that I really believe could be life changing for someone. But if you want to go further, go find an IFS therapist and go deep and di- dive into that, or even mm-hmm. any form of therapy. Uh, particularly IFS, I would say though, and uh, and let that let that be your guide. So I, I just want to um, acknowledge you for your courage and your bravery to do that with me. Thank you so very much. It was beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for holding that space for me. And thank you for workshopping it with me. I'm going to get back to my computer <laughs> and write the rest of the chapter. Thank you. Oh, I love that you guys Choose have that check in. Choose yeah. check in. I'm going to call it instead of calling it the three step process. I'm going to call it the check in process which was that first step initially and then I changed it now oh back my to God, it. Oh this is so exciting. Yes. I <laughs> love that you guys had that because moment. You even just said, you said it was like, you're like, it's like a check-in. And I'm like, it is. Thank you. <laughs> you needed that little bit of, yeah. <laughs> was that the universe like working its magic? Um, yeah. It's like, you know, if we're, if we're in query about something, we can just stay open and curious about it. And then mm-hmm the answers start to become revealed to us in conversations or wherever, right? Yes. And on that note, your, so a lot of your work is focused on transformational spiritual teachings. And a big part of that is asking the universe for signs. And you actually got us into asking for signs. And we are massive advocates now for asking for signs, especially from the other side. And a lot of our listeners and our community are massively into signs. It's one of our most popular topics, isn't it, Im? You but have to I... tell you have to tell Gabby your sign story. It's really quick, but you need okay. to tell her. Okay. So, and it, you inspired my first sign story. So um, this was when I was transitioning from working full-time in, in PR and I wanted to work more on good morning and the work that we're doing to help people in grief. And I was listening to a podcast you did years ago with Fern Cotton and you were talking to her about asking for signs and you said make it specific don't ask for something that you might see loads of like be specific Um, but also think of something that comes into your head fairly quickly right so I was sitting at the beach one day and I was like right should I focus more time on good morning and go freelance in my PR career am I on the right path um if I am, show me a sloth. So anyway, a couple of hours later, I meet him for dinner. We've got her daughter with us and we're just talking. I haven't said anything to him about asking for a sign. And all of a sudden, Im is talking to Layla, who's watching her iPad. And she's like, oh, look, Layla, there's that sloth, your toy sloth. Um, the purple um, flossing sloth. Yeah. The sound really fell off a seat. <laughs> like, there it is. That's a hard one to find. And so you were definitely yeah. being guided, my sweet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then after that, it just opened the door for asking for signs. And um, yeah, we're really big. We're really big into it now. But for anybody who's listening who doesn't ask for signs or doesn't know about asking for signs, can you tell us a little bit about signs, the universe, and how we can ask for one? 
Well, the universe is always a yes for what we put out, uh, whether it's good or bad. <laughs> so <laughs> if we ask for guidance and we want some clarity around an issue, or just like you said, should I continue with good morning? We have this opportunity to sort of send a message out to the universe and say, show me I'm on the right path. And trusting too, that if you don't get your sign, that that's a sign too. And a lot of people get really hung up if they don't get their sign. And that's usually if they're really hung up about it, it's because they're holding on really tightly to the outcome. And so, you know, a sign could be a blue butterfly. It could be a pizza pie. It could be a sloth. It could be whatever you, something that's not super obvious in the world, but something that's really, really available to your consciousness and often what's coming to your mind right, right away. I love that. And um, it's been, yeah, really, really powerful. And one of your books that's really helped me in particular is um, is Super Attractor. And the something that I find really helpful when I am wanting to manifest something or there's a situation that um, is really important to me is, is letting go and having fun in the process. That's something that I found really important in the work that you do. Yeah, I believe that joy is the catalyst for our greatest manifestations. Mm -hmm. And so if we're having fun, we know we're on the right track. And I often catch myself, you know, like lately I've been deep in with some HR stuff and it's like not fucking fun. And <laughs> so you know, it doesn't mean that things are always fun, but it's being able to notice and be like, this is not fucking fun. And it's so hard and it's so painful at times. And I need to step away from it so I can go have some more fun. And I actually think about it from the standpoint of like, I'm going to this conference at my son's school tonight. And I've just been so deep in this HR stuff. It's been so frustrating. And some of my friends after the conference were like, let's go out to dinner at nine o'clock at night. I never eat dinner at nine o'clock at night. And there was a little voice inside me. It was like, just fucking go, you know, like just go to dinner and have some fun. And that's the voice that's bringing us back to just, just being in that, in that joy once again. Life can get so damn serious, can't it? Like it's so important to. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> and we so really fun. sweat the small stuff. We really sweat the small stuff. That's that's where we get really hung up. Yeah, mm -hmm. we do. And I'm conscious of time, and you're a busy woman. And we just wanted to hear a little bit about your upcoming tour because you're coming down under, which we're very excited about. You'll probably see our heads in the crowd. And <laughs> yeah, tell us a little bit about your tour. I am coming to you girls. I am coming. Yes. Let me make sure I've got the dates in front of me because I keep, there's three different dates. I'm coming. Coming in hot. April 28th in Melbourne, the 29th mm -hmm. in Sydney. So I have to get on a plane that night, come home, come out, wake up at Sydney and be in Sydney. And <laughs> then Brisbane on May 2nd. I am so excited to come back. And Sydney is a very special place for me in the world. My best friend, my 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 truly my soul sister. The the she's one of the most important people in my life. Lives in Sydney, and so lucky you. I'll be back every year, mm -hmm. and um, <laughs> uh, and I've been so many times now that I feel like I can find my home. You know, just get cozy, and I'm just so excited to be with the Aussie audience because you guys are fun and you're grateful to have people from the U.S. come. And so it's always a good crowd. And uh, just, I just can't wait to come back. I'm really excited. I'm bringing my family and it'll be great. So fun. Well, we're really, really excited to have you here. And we'll include all of the links in the show notes and on our Instagram so that listeners can 
buy a ticket and come and join you. And thank you so much, Gabby, for spending this time with us. You are a massive inspiration. We really appreciate how you're making the topic of trauma, especially accessible. Um, and just thank you for all of the work that you do. You, you're amazing. Right back at you. And I want to make sure I say this to both of you that you have to keep doing what you're doing. And, and, and the parts of you that might be questioning yourself or feeling inadequate, like you said, um, yeah. Oh, I just want you to know you are awesome oh, and you're doing you. a great job, both of you. So keep it up, ladies. You're wonderful. Oh my God. I was trying not to fangirl too hard, but she <laughs> is just amazing isn't she and that was so helpful like I absolutely love that you got that moment with her in like wow and so helpful for anyone else who's listening who is coping with anxiety we really hope that that helps you too she's absolutely incredible guys we hope you loved this episode as much as we enjoyed doing it if you've loved this episode please leave us a rating and a review and we will see you guys very soon 